Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm McKemini. And I'm Christina. This table is built by Black women and for Black women. So welcome to the table, C. How you doing, girl? Oh, I'm doing good on this 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 hot day in Michigan. Praise God. There is sunshine hey. today. Okay. Hey. I take Come a little bit of vitamin D. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for the sun. <laughs> Winter lasts <You> know, forever. <laughs> it's it's a bit over the top. I think we got a problem, Saints. I think we got a problem it is. with weather. So it's a lot. Yeah, yeah. How it's are you? How have you been doing, E? Hey, I'm good. You know, when the sun's shining, you know, and summer hits, you know, I turn into a different person. Oh, no. So, you know, I just got the joy of the Lord in my heart right now because so, the sun is shining. You're so, chur- you're so churchy. You're so churchy. I'm so churchy. I'm so churchy. <laughs> 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 but I am excited about what we got going on today because it is the month of June. Mm-hmm. And y'all know at this point, now season one, we did an episode about uh, June being Black Music Month. We did. And we went in on our favorite songs and we just, we had a good time. So we thought for this June, we were going to do Black Music Month again, but we wanted to bring some of our favorite artists, people we admire to the table so that we can either introduce them to you or maybe you already know about them and you're really hyped to be at the table this Saturday. So um, so I'm really, really excited about who we have at the table. <laughs> and we have one of my favorite R&B artists, y'all. And it's Xavier Omar. Xavier, it's so good to have you at the table with us. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. It is our pleasure. Our pleasure. Let me read a little something so our our listeners can get to know you just a little bit better. And and let's help them out, right? Uh, Yeah, I got it. I I got your bio here. Unless you want to tell the people. I mean, that's fine too. I'm going to sit in my my bishop's chair with my really serious face. There you go. (laughs) Yes, with the finger right underneath your chin, right? Like just just nodding. Looking holy. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> look, look, well, look at this. Listen, listen to this, y'all. So how does Xavier Omar want to be remembered? As a risk taker, a classic voice, an artist who blurs musical lines, and as a fearless dreamer. And with these big goals, the singer-songwriter isn't wasting any time. His debut studio album, Bonfire, was released in September 2014, followed by the Everlasting Wave in 2016, which, y'all, it is the wave. It lives up to the name. Um, his His EP with Sango, which was titled... Hours Spent Loving You, which is flames as well. Um, and uh, his 2017 EP, Pink Lightning, and singles, Blind Man and Hesitate. Now, Xavier Omar takes pride in his songwriting ability and is most excited by the reward of evoking specific feelings in his listeners with his music. Xavier, o- Xavier Omar grew up as a military brat moving across the country and as far as Japan, but he claims Georgia as his home. Welcome to the table, Xavier. We are glad. Glad to have you. I need to find out who wrote this. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, wait, a thumbs what, up or thumbs down? Was that you? Are we describing the right person? <laughs> but like, um, the one part that threw me off was you said um, my single Hesitate. And I'm like, yo, that only came out on SoundCloud. That's nowhere else. So I was just like, who wrote this? That's funny. Well, <laughs> somebody, somebody follow your manager. <laughs> Well, hey, we are so happy to have you, brother. Well, why don't we, uh, why don't you talk to our listeners and tell them about how how it is that you came to faith in Jesus Christ? I think they'll be very interested in hearing that. Yes, uh, I 
definitely grew up in it, but that's not necessarily uh, why I believed. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, my earliest memories of music are connected to church because my dad has been a minister of music all my life. Um, Mm. My was playing drums much when I was younger. Well, I always tried to be like him, so I started playing drums. Wow. Uh, kind of where the well, a little bit of where the likeness ended as far as instruments go, because they play keys and bass, and I can't do either one of those things. Uh, <laughs> but I ended up, you know, playing drums at the church. Uh, by the time I was eleven, uh, I was like, mm. and uh, so you know, I was just I was around it all the time, so I heard about it and um, kind of just believed because this is what you did. But then I think by the time I was 19, um, we were in service one day and I'm playing drums and I'm just kind of looking at everything going on. And it felt like the exact same thing had either happened or been said for the last three weeks. And I was just like, what are we doing? Mm. What, are, what are we coming here every week for to do what? Mm. And yeah. at that point, I kind of, I found my faith because I literally like deconstructed it and just kind of evaluated it myself. Um, at that age. So, man, I was, I wanted to see what other people had to say about Jesus. And my whole idea was, will it all match up? <laughs> was kind of what right. I was looking for. Right. And I first got into um, Joyce Meyer. I was watching some of her stuff. And then uh, not too, on a different channel was Joseph Prince. I ended up seeing Joseph Prince for a bit. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think on the internet, I ran into Judah Smith who I, I stayed watching Judah for a long time. And Judah Smith introduced me to Carl Lentz, introduced me to Chad Veach, introduced me to Robert Madhu Jr. And so I'm hearing now the gospel in ways I never heard it. Mm-hmm. Uh, From different people. Yeah. It had always been super rule-based. And at that same mm-hmm. time, my church uh, was kind of switching their teaching into kingdom teaching and kingdom principles. And it all started to line up a bit more for me. Uh, and so me finally hearing like the true gospel, not so much that, you know, obviously, yes, you know, the basis is that Jesus died for our sins. He carried all our sins on the cross with him and mm-hmm. rose again with all powers, the number one thing. And we just have to leave it in our hearts. But no one truly explained to me what it meant because I, I still took that to mean, OK, I do anything wrong at all today. If I don't ask for forgiveness in that moment, if I were to die in that moment, I'm going to hell. Right, right. And so when I was able to you know, go and seek those those other avenues out and, and hear the, the message in a way I hadn't heard it my whole life, just only, you know, I would only hear it from the pastor of the, of the church that I was in or whoever the guest speaker was, never any other perspective. Um, and which is why I was a little bit dated because the way I was being taught was honestly it was wrong. It just wasn't mm-hmm. on, on point. And hearing the true gospel that Jesus had taken our place that we are hidden in mm. Christ. Mm. So that when, uh, God sees Christ, he sees us. Uh, you know, mm. that we're covered under the blood while we're in Christ, which means obviously God knows there's going to be some things that we might do or we, we might say, or, uh, you know, things we may carry out that we shouldn't. Uh, yeah. The blood is still there to cover us and protect us while we're there because he wants to keep us that bad. Mm-hmm. It was always, how bad do I want to get to God. Mm. That's the truth. You know, how bad mm. do I know him? How bad do I want to, you know, live in his ways? Mm. I never knew how bad he wanted me. And mm. it was in our face the whole time because it's for God so 
mm-hmm. love the world and you know, yeah. focus on that word so, so much. Um, but God loves the world. It could have easily just said, for God loved the world. Mm-hmm. Just, mm-hmm. He so loved the world um, that, he, that he gave. And so that stuck with me, um, hearing the new perspective and the really the, the truth of you know, why I was in church and, and why I felt the connection to it, but felt also that what I was doing wasn't necessarily the real way. And I'm glad, I'm glad uh, God tugged on my heart and I really got to find out mm-hmm. uh, what I was looking for. Mm-hmm. Nah, you better preach this gospel, Xavier. He done talked about the blood. <laughs> he talked about the Lord's keeping power. Come on. That was amazing. Thank you for sharing. For real. Excellent. Excellent. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it sounds like you went through a place of thinking, uh, of going from looking inward about what do I do to keep myself mm-hmm. versus looking mm-hmm. out towards how God is constantly keeping me, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And I, I mean, and honestly, I mean, that's the, that's the difference between legalism and actually joy yep. in the Lord. Right. And, um, and mm-hmm. that he, he's got it under control. So I don't think we've ever had anybody that we've asked that faith question to that laid it out quite like that. Yeah. Um, so I know also Xavier that you, you know, you've, you've moved through a couple different genres in some ways and that you, <laughs> you started <laughs> off in kind of the CHS kind of Christian hip hop scene. And then back in 2015, shifted out of that, even wrote kind of a formal a letter like, this is not what I'm going to be doing no more. <laughs> and can you talk to our listeners a little bit about what led uh, to your departure from CHH? And, and do you have any regrets about that? And, and how have you been able to step into something, something new? Well, uh, stepping away from CHH was something that I decided later on, but something I was, I feel mm. as if I was never supposed to be there. Mm. And mm. that out from the moment I started making music, I put out two projects and in January of 2013, this guy named Sango finds me and he hits me up on, yeah. says, Hey, love your stuff. We should work. That was on Twitter, right? I think I saw you, you, I think somebody posted that the other day mm. about how y'all got connected. Yeah, and, and he hit me, and I didn't know who he was, and he's sending me these weird beats that I don't like. And um, but I kind of <laughs> the song that we did, I kind of did it out of pity. I was like, ah, he sent me all this stuff. I'm gonna try it, right? Excuse me. <clears throat> so I do the song, and it goes further than anything I've ever done has because I find out who he is at that point, and he's got connections to kind of the underground and a little bit of the mainstream scene of music. So from the very beginning, mm-hmm. the, the record that I that got the most attention from the very beginning um, was, you know, in that world. So even if we we skip down further, to there was a point where the Christian like websites in the scenes where excuse me, I got this call. Mm-hmm. The, the Christian scenes uh, were kind of I don't know. They, they were telling me, no, I'm just a relationship guy. I never talk about Jesus. I don't talk about Jesus enough. Mm-hmm. Even though mm-hmm. I'm pretty 50-50, they just couldn't tell um, yeah. because that's the relationship aspect that I was going for. So we move forward to my next project and I say, you know, it's called Lucid Dream. And I said, every song on this project is only about Jesus because I was a little bit mm. uh, which isn't a good way to go into a project, mm. but that's what I was <laughs> And on that project, the single was a song called Universe. And I'm not sure that mm. I've said Jesus in any other song more, but that's mm. the song that got me 
Well, by, first of all, it's produced by Sango, mm-hmm. and secondly, mm-hmm. all that got me my first mainstream press. Mm. And ah. uh, and yeah, wow. the mainstream world latched on to me more than CHH did, which is mm. I, I don't understand why. It's just kind of weird. So yeah. there's a company called Live Mixtapes, and I don't know if uh, this guy still works there, but there's a guy named Pesh, and uh, he hit me up saying, hey, you know, we got South by Southwest. I know you're, you're living in, I was living in San Antonio mm. and South by Austin mm-hmm. an hour away. So we're doing South by Southwest and we want you to come be a part of our showcase. I said, oh, great. Mind you, there's two wow. hip-hop showcases, but live mixtapes, a mainstream rap channel asked me to come perform. Okay. Wow. Um, and to show you how weird it is, it's like Young Thug, Frito Santana, Denzel Curry, all these like super yeah. rugged rappers <laughs> and me. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right uh, that's funny but that's funny but what's funny is my my manager had been talking about the next step he wanted to make and he said i really want to get distribution and i really wanted to be empire distribution we just don't have a way in mm. so i perform at this showcase for live mixtapes pesh loved the performance he takes us out and starts introducing us to some people he thinks we should know and one of them is was a key guy at empire and that's how we got our distribution deal mm. because he was And so there are these really obvious God moments in my entire career, and all of them were leading yeah. to a mainstream scene. Um, even if wow. we could go, we could fast forward to when I was thinking about it, thinking about actually stepping away, which was the end of 2014, uh, right after I had released Modfire. I did a show with Social Club. They did like this, this Christmas gathering they do each year. So I do my performance, and afterward, this girl comes up to me and she says, "Hey, God showed me some things while you're performing. Can I, you know, can I share it with you?" I'm a little bit freaked wow. out, but I was like, oh, <laughs> "All right." And prophecy at the concert. <laughs> and so this, this girl, she says three things. She says, um, "I saw you on mainstream stages, opening for like mainstream artists, bigger stages." Secondly. Um, you're about to make a, a decision that a lot of the people that you look up to won't like, but God trusts you with mm. decision. And thirdly, don't worry about finances. So the reason that this was important is because I had just moved from San Antonio to Georgia and only was only had about a month left of money saved up. I was still looking for jobs, and that's mm-hmm. the last paycheck I was going to get. Um, and actually, the money situation got worse until I decided I wasn't going to work anymore. And then said I wasn't gonna try to um apply the job. And then suddenly I started getting all these shows in mainstream. Mm. And uh, wow. the second show I got in mainstream, I opened up for a big artist. His name is Travis Scott. Oh Her wow, that's huge. Had talked about and prophesied began to happen. The decision that I made was leaving CHH. Um, mm-hmm. and so she she I hadn't talked to anybody about it, which is you know, that was crazy to me at mm. that moment. But everything she spoke happened so god it literally feels as if god himself was just like this is where i'm pushing you this yeah. is where i'm taking you this is where i need you to be with the message not just this one space there's nothing wrong with the people who are who ha- who you push the music to but more needed and so um i don't regret it because i really do believe and now can see that it was god led hmm. 
Definitely. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I mean, it was yeah, it's definitely clear that his hand was all over that yeah. from down to the prophecies that, right. That came that have, uh, that have obviously come to pass. And so, um, you mentioned just even the, the part about the finances and when you decided to actually quit your job, that's when, you know, that started, uh, to move, uh, in your favor as well. And I, uh, back in December, I believe it was, I actually went to, uh, my first Xavier Omar concert. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was on your uh, Pink Lightning tour. Uh, you you performed at Coda, and I had a great time. And I knew I would have a good time, but I didn't know I would leave edified like that. I wasn't expecting that. Not that I wasn't you know expecting you to leave like horribly, but you know I just was like, wait a minute, we worship the Lord. Like what happened? How? <laughs> like because you we were singing. Uh, you sang, um, "How do you love me, Jesus, my King?" And you had us all worshiping in there, like y'all gonna do this or you ain't. But I'm singing to Jesus, and I was like, yes, all right. Um, and then you shared a bit of your testimony, um, and like gave this word that really stayed with me. And, um, and you said this, and I'm quoting you because I remembered it because it still resonates with me. You said, your, your safety is in what God gave you to do. Um, and I wonder if you could just um, unpack that for our listeners and just talk a bit Mm. about your own, uh, testimony and just what, what that meant to you and how that, that, that quote, right. How you live that, um, in your own life. I think that would be very, uh, edifying for our own or for our listeners to hear. Yeah, uh, I, I think all of our parents, all they want for us when we are growing up or about to leave the house is they just want to, they kind of want to know for sure that you're in a spot that you'll be okay, that you have a salary and that everything is safe and that you're well. Uh, so, you know, yeah. my parents, you know, that didn't necessarily happen for my brother, but he eventually found a way, he got something stable. He was able to mm-hmm. uh, be a minister of music at a church and take care of his family. My sister, mm. you know, she had a job that kept her, you know, stable, everything as well. And so here am I. I'm working fast food. I was 21 <laughs> at the time. And my dad's just like, hey, 21 years old, time to get you moving here. Um, right. <laughs> and he was, you know, saying, you know, maybe you should look in the military. Him being a 20-year Air Force mm. veteran, uh, retired. Right. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I'll look at it. My mom at one point also, you know, the same thing. Because I was in school at one point, but backed out uh, because I was in a, a group, actually. I was in a rap group in my high school years, mm-hmm. my younger years. And we left because we were signing. And they were saying we were going to be on the road a bunch. Long story short, we really didn't go anywhere. And the deal, uh, we ended up finding a way to get out of it uh, because it was just horrible. Mm. So I moved, yeah. I moved after the group broke up and all that. So that's how we get to me now being in Texas working fast food. So they just want me to get something that, that will make it look like my future is moving. But I think the more I was recording music, they could hear it because the apartment we were in was small. It was basically my room and the kitchen wall were kind of the same wall. So mm-hmm. um, I'm like recording and whatever it is. And I think my mom just started to enjoy it. And I came home from work one day just... Pretty defeated. I was tired of doing that job. And my mom goes, I said, oh, no. I told my mom, hey, I'm going to take a crack in the military. I'm going to do what I have to do to make it all happen. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget it. She didn't even have a conversation with me. She just said, boy, you better shut up and do your music. <laughs> mm, wow. <laughs> just like a black mama. Come on, black mamas. <laughs> you know, it was surprising because she was you know, one of 
think about the military, but she saw that I really loved it. Some, I had been creating music in the house some kind of way since I was 12 years old, so she knew it was what I loved. Wow. So if I would have went that route to the military, I really believe that it would have fallen mm. apart because mm. that's not what God gave me. It's, that was, that's the safety net for maybe some of my other friends. You know, mm-hmm. that's what got them up and on their feet and, you know, sustained them because that's what they were supposed to do. But I feel like it would have fallen apart for me uh, some way or the other. And this music stuff was a much harder road, much harder. But at the yeah. end today, yeah. like this is absolutely what God would have had me to do. And this, there's a reason why, you know, I haven't, uh, since 100% yielding to it, I have not uh, missed a single bill. I'm not. We're not, we're not out here wow. overdraft. We're not uh, hurting anything. We can help people. We can help yeah. friends. Like, what? It's it's exactly where I'm supposed to be. This is, you know, the the life of, of safety that they were hoping I would have when they mm-hmm. kind of go to these other places, these other jobs. Mm-hmm. Uh, but doing what God has told me to do is what was ultimately going to get me to that place um, that they, they wanted for me. So you know, it's a different part of the yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah, the, the the safe your safety is found in what God gave you to do, right? Which is connected to His will for your own life, and so uh, that's that's beautiful. Um, I think um, what one of one of the things I love a lot of things about your music, but one of the the uh, elements that I love about your music so much is the authenticity. You know, that's like an important thing to us at Truth Table because we call ourselves Truth Table. Um, and so the authentic- the authenticity that comes forth in your music is something that I find to be rare. I think some some artists, you know, um, they'll kind of uh, posture themselves, you know, with some level of authenticity, but it's often sometimes a gimmick. Um, but but in your music, it's I, I could tell it's like, oh, dang, like, he actually lived this. Or like, this is actually how he's feeling. Um, and and I, I, I'm just wondering, I, I also love the way they even weave in uh, the themes of our faith and even the themes of our scripture really seamlessly so that even if you're an unbeliever, you probably won't even really detect it. <laughs> like, you know, but I, I just think that that's something that's really, really unique about your music. And I'm wondering when you're writing your songs, who, who are you thinking about? What's influencing uh, your pen, you know, as you write, or maybe your phone as you're typing, I don't know what y'all do. <laughs> so I don't know if it's writing or if it's you're typing on your phone, but, but who are you thinking about? Who is it? Who do you have in mind when you're writing your music? Um, I, I don't know that there's necessarily well, sometimes, you know, depending on what what the subject matter is that I've thought of, uh, I might have a particular person in my mind, but it's never. Mm-hmm. What's what's kind of sad, actually, is a lot of the music throughout my, my life this far, uh, it, it isn't centralized around one person. There is There has been a person that's mm-hmm. appeared more, but mm-hmm. there's, most of it is kind of these situationships that didn't pan out. Uh, right. And... Which makes me a little scared. Just about everybody I've ever written about is either no longer in my life or they're no longer in like that. They don't have the same importance they had. Like, mm. well, with the exception of one person, it was pretty great. I actually wrote my man about my girlfriend back in 2015 because oh. we weren't. Um, <laughs> I was just trying to get her to even talk to me back then. Still, step one. <laughs> I was trying to. Get- That'll work. Have a conversation. That'll work. It's like low key creepy because we didn't have like conversations, but I could just see the type of person she was. 
and mm. it just inspired me enough to write that. The original idea came from just a thought. Uh, you know, who can love you better? Somebody who can see all your fly, all your uh, flies, all your flaws, or someone who's yeah. blind and can't necessarily see your flaws, even though they can feel them. You can't necessarily see your flaws; they can just know who you are. Mm. Just this like fake deep question that I thought of, <laughs> and ended up writing a. And it's a smash hit. <laughs> Blind man is huge. Wow. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping it, it can go for. I think we we uh, got the best out of it we we could on this level. Mm. I'm hoping that we get some some backing here soon, and really solve okay. further because I, I know there's a lot more people who would love it. They're still sure about it yeah. every day. So you know that's one of those songs that. Blind Man's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's a song that I was thinking about a particular person, but a lot of them is, it's just, it is what I've gone through. And if it's not what I've gone through, it's uh, a situation I'm close to. So maybe the way I saw my mom handle something with my father. Mm -hmm. Or I was, uh, there's there's a show I love, and I can't put all the details out there, but they sent me over like a scene to write to, uh, write a song to, they want to use a record of mine in their upcoming season. So I was really excited. And the situation I had never personally been in, but I'm like, okay, mm. what can I do that might, you know, fit this well? So for me, it was mm. the idea of when you finally get to a point where, you know, you, you stop doing that thing, you know, you shouldn't do because it doesn't give that feeling anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. So literally for me, it was like rejecting sin. It was almost as if sin was like this, was like in a syringe and you had to like you had to stop using it. You had to pull it back from out your arm. And so but the mm. but what they asked me to do was like this this connection of a relationship that, you know, people thought well, the two thought that they would connect because they had before and suddenly they're not. And so I was like, I haven't truly had that happen. So what's similar? And so a lot of times right. I may have to get a little bit creative about it if the song happened. So it, it can really range. Inspiration comes from any and everywhere, to be honest with you. Hmm. So, yeah, but I, I have a hard time writing if I haven't lived mm. it out, though. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine that would be hard. Yeah, I, I just think that you're, you're um, as a writer, I'm not a songwriter. I just write regular prose, you know. Um, I, I've, I've always admired your songwriting, um, particularly mm. on um, Afraid. That's That was one of my favorite songs from 2017. Um, uh, one of my favorite songs, like, I play well i still can play it on repeat um i'm one i'm one of those people when i like a song i'm gonna play it like a hundred times like literally i'm that person so, so you've been getting some streams from me brother you've been getting some streams and so, um but there's a line in there you talk about um can i get reparations for the pain and i was like he had me at reparations and i was like because man we, it's funny because just last week we were talking about uh singleness right um you know and single black women and all this stuff and you know what comes with dating all that pain all the situations man we do need reparations for the pain that we get you know what we do so no but i i just thought i just love i love your songwriting i mean it's just you can really connect to it um and so yeah i just thought it was so beautiful so thank you for sharing that no i had to say that that song real quick nugget it was it was yeah uh, kind of a makeup situation so me I, I did it mm. with Red Bull, and we had a kind of a miscommunication oh, yeah, with the songs that they were supposed to use from last year. Huh. So we actually had to walk into the studio. I picked the producer, uh, Business Boy. He's really dope. 
we get in there and we waste an hour just talking. And so as we're doing that, you know, just vibing with each other, he starts making this beat. I'm texting my little baby sister. Not my actual sister, but I call her my baby sister. She's telling me mm-hmm. about, you know, this situation with this guy. Well, she knows it's right for her, but she's a little afraid. I, you know, like, mm. you know, at that point I wasn't dating. So I was like, I'm not really sure I want to get into anything with anybody because I don't want this to happen to me. As he's making this beat, I didn't give him a direction, nothing. He did mm. whatever he was feeling. And so by the time her and I finished talking, I'm listening to the record and I start to just write. And every word, the actually, the, the first few ideas were losing love. It was going to be unrequited love. Question mark, what's yeah. a truly love? And those Undecided. The song mm-hmm. instead. Um, so I, I, I loved doing that session. It's the fastest session I've ever been a part of. It's the most natural. Wow. And um, you know, there are times where the moment can just give you exactly what you need to say. And we're just being mm. honest. Thank you. Thank you for giving that behind the scenes. I love that song so much. Like, like, Daddy got the, Daddy got the backstory, Kimmy. <laughs> I got it. I got there it. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I feel special. <laughs> I mean, I, I I so appreciate your thoughtfulness, right? So I think whatever whatever it is that we've been yeah. we've been fitted to do, we need to do it, it's, you know, as well as we can, right? And always be working towards that and honoring our gifts, oh. right? Uh, and, and the giver of the gifts that we have. And so I appreciate you yep. sharing with us kind of your intentionality a little bit behind the behind the curtain, behind the veil, a bit about your story. I'm also curious as to who some of your musical and artistic influences are, period. So whether it's through song or rap or art and dance or just any form of artistry, who it, you know, who are the people that inspire you to kind of work towards your craft? From early on to kind of get me even started. Um, there were, it's a it's a wild mix mm-hmm. between genres, like uh, Martin mm-hmm. from Coldplay. Early on, mm-hmm. Kanye, you mm-hmm. know, before he started tripping on us, stretch uh, your hands towards oh, Kanye. Oh, stretch your hands. Do it, Lord. He can do it. Pharrell. Matter of fact, I only have one tattoo. Pharrell, and it's based on on them. One of the songs yeah. they did together. Uh, uh, CeeLo Green. So yeah. He was doing mm-hmm. this Gnarls Barkley thing with Danger Mouse. That was the first time I saw yeah. a black artist really truly experiment in a, a sound very different from his own stuff. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it inspired me because I was like, man, that's stuff I like to do. And I didn't think it would work. But here he is doing it and it's amazing. Yeah. So CeeLo is I think so underrated. One of the one of the best voices. And one of those voices that we won't get again. Yeah, yeah. He has a very unique voice. Yeah. You're right about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and James Blake is, is a huge one for me as well. This is all before I even like did my first project. These were the people that I were on the most. And I, mm, and I was mm, creating mm. music. There was this band that ended up breaking up, but they're called the Maccabees. And the lead singer, Orlando Weeks, I love his voice. to inspire mm-hmm. me. And now, toward this part of my career, I know a lot of those same people as well, but now it's also uh, like speakers. So guys like Stephen Furtick, guys like... Uh, Ty Tribbett, guys like Judah Smith, they just the way that they're able to break down their subjects, unpack it, deliver it in a way that we get it and understand it. That's an art form just as much as music is, because what's the point of me talking about something in a song if you don't end up understanding the point I want to get across or the message I'm trying to give you? 
So scooters, that's their number one job. And so it's it's Mm -hmm. more from just a feeling and the sound of things, also to the art of it. Mm. And that's where I'm at now. Sweet, sweet. Yeah. And uh and people are picking up. People are picking up because your name is um is really starting to ring out. Like I've seen like on Instagram, I saw Diddy, you know, rocking to your music, and I was like, whoa, all right. Saw Yvonne Orgy yeah. um jamming to I think it was afraid actually that she was jamming out yeah. to um and I saw uh Jada Pinkett, you know, Smith shout you out and uh give you a big shout out on Twitter. Um and so your name is really starting to ring out and you're getting high praise for your music. Um and now you've done collaborations with No Name, whom I love, uh, Mick Jenkins and a host of other dope artists. And I'm just wondering how you determine who you will collaborate with. Is there like, do you have a method or is there, I'm sure you've gotten tons of requests. Um, I would imagine you probably haven't said yes to everything, but maybe you have, Um, but like, do you have a a method, you know, of of determining like who you will work with, who you won't um, and and what's the the reasoning behind that? Yeah. And also who, who you would love to work with still. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very thoughtful in this, in music because man, you guys know, I, I love sports. I love, the NBA and I love WWE and the thing that <laughs> <Yes. laughs> we will ask you about this. Yes. Well, the thing I love about it is like, I look at it from the top down. So they're presenting this story in front of us, but who are the people that put it into into place? Why, why does it work mm. or why doesn't it work? And the same thing, one of my favorite players being LeBron and one of the way he sees the floor and he talks about the IQ of, of basketball and not so much just uh, doing it. Kobe Bryant has a thing called detail. Where he literally just goes and finds mm-hmm. what will work better. So that's my approach when it comes to collaborations is does this make sense to do? Not just because you have a name and I have a name or, you know, right. or you have a name and I'm trying to make one or any, any of the other ways around. Mm-hmm. Do, our, do our sounds complement each other to begin with? Or do we both mm-hmm. Have we both shown the ability to make different things happen regardless of our base sound? Mm-hmm. So that's what I what I base it on. I try to look overhead more so than is this artist popping? Is this artist not popping? I think that right, right. I think that's um, that's not a good enough example of, of or a good enough idea of what can be made great or not uh, musically. So hmm. I worked with a guy named Smoko wow. Ono, who is a producer. He tends to do hip hop, but with me, he went electronic dance, and we made it. I worked hmm. with Brass Tracks, both on. The Everlasting Wave when they did Specialize, and then uh, we did another one here this uh-huh. year. Uh, and they're really jazz and horns and all that. But then I go and work with No Name, who's much more chill of a sound. Work with Asai yes. Ziv, who's got, he's a little more of the um, little Uzi, little Pete kind of right. younger <laughs> generation's feel. And it makes it, oh, uh-huh. uh, Superboy, I, I work with him. Matter of fact, that well, I can't put that info out there. But it got that song, okay. that song <laughs> to be a part of a soundtrack that I'm really excited about. Okay, so good, like, good. I, those things, it's just does this does the music make sense for me? Like sonically, does the artist make sense to work with? And even if those aren't apparent things, do they show a versatility to where it can work? So that's all mm-hmm. that matters to me is um, you know it making sense. Wow. And, you know, and that's so counterintuitive um, in that industry, right? It's usually like, you got a big name, I got a big name, I need to collaborate you so I can get on, you know. Um, and so we, we use people, right? It's very, it can be very, relationships in that industry uh, can be 
very transactional in that way. And so it's pretty refreshing to hear you talk about your own method and just how intentional um, you are and trying to see, is there synergy? You know, can we make something that, you know, that works for both of us that's going to be mutually beneficial? And um, and I think that's, that's really wise um, and very interesting to hear. Um, which actually kind of sort of reminds me about even your uh, another element of 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 your sound and of your music is that there's this a uh, clear love and respect for women. Mm. <laughs> you don't talk about women in an objectifying way or in, in a transactional way. Um, uh, you talk about us as human beings, you know, who should be treated as equals and not objects. Um, and it seems to me that you you seem to be very secure. Um, in your in your masculinity, and I found that the album, like the album title and the cover art for uh, Pink Lightning, was so subversive and um, compelling to me. Right, because it's a pink background. You don't have any shoes on. You're sitting down. If I remember correctly, I'm on a pink, you know, a button up shirt. I think if I can remember, I'm just going off memory right now. Uh, and if you could, can you talk to us just about how you've come to reject uh, toxic masculinity and how you developed, you know, an authentic and abiding respect for women? I think it's just something that's yeah. so rare um, that just really yeah. pops out from your music. And that's actually what Jay, that drew Jada Pinkett to your music, too. That's actually one thing that she highlighted in her tweet about you. So talk to us about a little bit about your own security and your masculinity um, and your respect for women. I think it's a shame yeah. um, that it is so rare. And it's, it's, it's weird for me because that's also the reason I'm able to make a bit of a splash is because it's different. Mm. I don't want that to have to be the reason somebody else who comes up is like, yeah. you know, has this next splash. I want it to be a consistent thing for everybody. I want it to be a standard. Um, and I come to that uh, firstly because I'm not here without a woman, period. You know, she, mm. for now, took care of her. That's my That's a word. Until I got here, and when I got here, I wasn't, I was an unwanted baby. I was the third child, and my mom wanted two. And <laughs> mm. my man wasn't no third child. I, don't, uh, I think she didn't even call me by my name until I was like six. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Little boy. <laughs> uh, and then she told me on my 20th <laughs> She called you surprise. Surprise. <laughs> on my 20th birthday, I blow out the candles and she goes, and I almost gave you to your grandmother. I was like, what? Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> what, is, what do you mean? It's a, it's a lot of real like, talk happening in y'all house. <laughs> like, it was funny because I've, I've never, she's never done an, had an action toward me that said anything other than she loved me and she wanted me. Wow. Uh, wow. That's something just like all putting and funny. But she's taking care of me. My dad was away a lot with the military by yeah. a whole bunch. So it was uh, my mom and my siblings. She was the one taking care of my sister at times, especially early on when my mom didn't, you know, wasn't trying to deal with the fact she had a third child. My sister was who took care of me a whole lot. Uh, so mm. it's just a recognition of those wow. things. That make you say, you know, I don't want them treated any particular, like any disrespectful way. So why would I want to do mm -hmm. that to anybody else? Why would I say that about anybody else? Are they property that could just be exchanged at any at any moment? Body mm -hmm. count. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then how is anybody else? Because that that's also someone else's child. That's also someone else's, you know, sister. Uh, so yeah, it's just like I, I don't I don't get the mindset of. Uh, degrading to make yourself seem better. And I think the only reason men do that in music 
It's not only because it's been happening, uh, but also because in a weird way, they're just trying to make themselves, um, they want to make themselves seem better than these, these other men. They got to impress these other men, which is so weird. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like, girls got to want you and guys got to want to be you. And, it, mm-hmm. and so they mm-hmm. do whatever they think sounds cool, looks cool. It's just, it's stupid. Mm-hmm. And if everybody yeah. would be honest about it, if I could, if you have a sister or we know you have a mother, if I, if you can say all those things that you're saying about those other women and allow me to say those to your sister or your mother and you be okay, cool. Keep making the music. Keep doing what you're doing. But if you can't, mm-hmm. like, there's a problem. And then, then, you know, there's the proof right there that there's a problem because you wouldn't allow me to do it. So don't what else. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just kind of basic. So that's just that just common sense to me in, in, in my mind. But the number one factor of it all, the, the reason it stays stable and it stays uh, secure and that, and that thinking doesn't waver is because you know of my faith in Jesus and the way that he treated women and the way that the well, Bible sees women, which is just absolutely. Come on and preach this word. Uh, when they mm-hmm. were accusing uh, the woman of adultery, when Jesus was there, mm-hmm. he said to throw the first stone if you don't have any sin. And they couldn't. And he and he said, where are your accusers? And she says, they're not here. He says, I don't accuse you either. Like, mm. that's not how we would handle it today. You know, that's not how men yeah. would treat her. Uh, mm-hmm. We would treat her like everybody that wanted to stone her. Like we didn't have our own problems or situations just because and they didn't even go after the man who she she you know committed this mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this is you know the other issues so, yeah uh it, it lines up with my faith uh number one but also it's it's just common sense uh and i don't i just don't understand why it's not more common in our music and in our culture mm. Mm. yeah that was powerful well, there you, there you go. I can, look, I can, look, I can hear the people now. You know, people always talk about they listen to Truth Table and they they yell back at <laughs> at, at the recording. <laughs> I, we can hear them yelling, look, now. They're yelling now. That's right. right now. That's right. <laughs> they're like, yes. <laughs> hey, so we good, we can baby. hear y'all now. Okay, we can hear you all. We can hear y'all. Look, we hear look, y'all. We affirm your yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? I think you br- I think you brought up a really insightful point about in-group posturing, right? So this idea mm-hmm. that men are flexing for other men and um, yeah. and presenting a faux image to be accepted in that particular male in-group. And I and I think people sometimes take that for granted how much we how much we do that. You know, I went to an all I went to an all-girl school and it was like the best dressed school in the city. And people were often surprised. And I said that's because <laughs> women dress for other women. Like women, 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 we, we dress. Yep. We know that men may not be into the details in the same way, but we are actually looking for the other woman to say, girl, you look great today. <laughs> and, uh, and and likewise, that in-group validation, I think that's a great point that we could probably spend a whole lot of time teasing about the, the implications of that, right? On our own. I, on our, we could do, we a, could whole do a whole episode, episode of that, that, really, honestly. Rape culture, misogyny, yeah. patriarchy, yeah. you went yeah. there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, well, brother, could you just, um, you know, I'm, I'm curious if there's anything in your heart, your mind, on the news, in your Twitter feed, in your life, that you might want to just sound mm-hmm. off about. We give people an opportunity just to say, you know what, you know what I've been thinking about, and they just let, you know, when they share. So, let loose. let loose. So, is there anything, and you know, that you would just want to let loose about? 
Um, one of the things that just stuck with me as of late was obviously, like I told you, I've been listening to different podcasts and sermons, and uh, mm. well, Stephen Furtick did one this week uh, called "This Ex- This Is Significant," mm. and basically saying that you know we're always kind of holding ourselves back, waiting for this significant moment for this um, you know, this obvious big deal to validate us or to to you know, get to the next level in our life. But in actuality, the moment right here that we're in is significant as well. You know, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to uh, just sit and wait and let it all pass by, hoping for a better, bigger moment? Or do we, yeah. like the small things of every day, do we take care of that? Because that's significant. It's, it's significant for a father to show up to his child's game, even though that's not the same thing as you know, this father just gave or just paid for this kid's college. You know, maybe that feels bigger to some people, but his very presence at a game is is significant. Um, and it seems yeah. like a small yeah. thing. But those those small things uh, are the opportunity. I believe Holly Furtick, his wife said that, that, you know, little things don't big, don't, little things don't uh, lead to bigger opportunities. They are the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. I have That's good. been sitting with. And something I've, I've lived out, uh, I've had a very long journey. Uh, I haven't had this meteoric rise to success in any way. A lot of your listeners don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just been everything from how much money we've made to how many shows we get to the amount of listeners. Everything has been this really gradual step-by-step-by-step step step situation. Yep. Um, and so I have to look at Every show that I do, if there's 50 people there because they didn't promote it that great and it was last minute, or if there's 1,200 people there in D.C. for my tour, mm-hmm. whatever it is, like that 1,200 show isn't more significant than the, sh- the show of 50 people an hour. That's good. You know what I mean? Like each of those matters because I'm going to do something or say something that can help somebody um, or that can alter someone's perspective of their, of their life yeah. at the moment. So. That's what's uh, in my heart, and hopefully that helps people. That's a good word. That's a good word. Come on and convict us today. (laughs) (laughs) And living in the moment, right? Living in the moment, thanking God for every every opportunity, small or great, right? Living, learning to be content with whatever portion um, God is giving you ultimately um, really is the message as well. And, and so talk to us, Xavier, this is your time uh, to talk to our listeners, tell them what you got going. You've alluded to some things that you can't really talk about yet, which is good, but you can't talk about, but are you working on an album? What are, do you have a, uh, is there any uh, concert tour stops that they should be looking out for? Talk to them, tell them how they can find you on social media, all of that jazz plug yourself. (laughs) a middle space when it comes to recording another album while I'm working with mm. Sango on our second one that's been public. Uh, but I'm also trying to look at when maybe I should start on my own, but also waiting mm-hmm. for like a little bit of help, a little bit of backing to make it more, make it matter uh, yeah. more than the other ones have before, because I, I think mm. this is the height of where we are right now. Uh, mm-hmm. While I'm working on music, I honestly don't know when it'll, mm. but we have, uh, me and Sango do want to put a, at least another song out this year. I'm on several features with a few of my friends this year. Um, Woo-hoo. Where we have June, I'm not sure what day this airs, but June 16th, I'll be in Long Beach 
Or Smoking Grooves Fest. Oh, sweet. Okay. Oh, yeah. Smoking Grooves. That's huge. Smoking Grooves mm-hmm. Fest. The headline by Erica Badu. There's no word. That's my girl. A lot of people mm-hmm. are, a lot of great artists are doing that. A little bit I've ever seen. Um, and well, June 28th, I'll be in Milwaukee doing Summerfest. I'll be uh, okay. at the Miller Light stage at 8 p.m. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, okay, doing a, a whole bunch of different things here and there, but those are the those are the two I can think of because those are the uh, the two. Yeah. But yeah, I, okay. So- I'm excited to to you know see the people come on out. Have I heard the music? You can go to Spotify, Apple Music, or where, whatever you have, and just search Xavier Omar. All right. The catalog is right there for you. Yes, yes, yes. We're excited. I know. So so no album yet coming out, but they can definitely go to Spotify and Apple Music. They go, y'all go listen to The Everlasting Wave because it's a wave. Um, go listen to Hours Spent Loving You. It's phenomenal. Listen to Afraid. Listen to, let's see, you got Sweet Holy Honey with Sango. There's just listen to all the goodness that he's put out. Um, now, now, uh, now, this is, I don't know if you can answer this, but can you tell us some of your friends that you are doing some features oh, with yeah. this year? Can you really, can you tell That's us a, that? No problem. <laughs> Stuff like that comes out all the time. Uh, okay, cool. So I'm working with Brad Tracks for a second time on their song instead of mine. Okay. Uh, me and Masego, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he's going to keep this particular record because he tried to get me on another one. Mm. Okay. Me and Masego have done another song together. Uh, Yay. I mentioned Smoko Ono. Uh, there's this, this DJ named Young Sidechain. I think his name is amazing. Uh, oh, this, <laughs> these names, I love it. But um, we, he, he put me on this like, summer pop record. I'm not even sure when that's coming out. But we, we have one together. I feel like I'm missing. I'm missing. Me and Sango, you know, we got an, another one that we're going to put out this year. I'm forgetting something, but yeah, that's. That's what I. But you you out there, you out there, and you and Sango got this like connection. I feel like it's like, I don't know, Aaliyah and Timbaland, or like you know, like Pharrell and Khalees when they was doing stuff together. Like it's just like there's a synergy that y'all have together. So I love everything y'all put out. Um, so, uh, but we'll be looking out. We're gonna look out for it. Our listeners will be looking out. Uh, for your music and of course we want to thank you uh, for taking a seat at the table with us Xavier we really appreciate you uh, talking to us and uh, about your music and preaching to us that was a good word it was great Thank Yeah, no, thank you so much. And of course, we want to thank our listeners for taking a seat at the table with us. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about Black Music Month. Uh, Xavier Omer at the table with us. Use the hashtag TruceTable. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at TruceTable or email us your thoughts at asktruestable at gmail.com. Also, you can book Truce Table and have us bring the table to you. Go to our website, trucetable.com, fill out the uh, uh, booking request form, and we might bring this table to you. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on the Satchel Podcast Player. Truce Table is made possible by Pottery Studios. Visit pottery.com for the highest in quality online audio entertainment. Our producer for the show is Joshua Heath. Our executive producer is Bo York, and we have been your hosts. Kemeny, Michelle, and Christina. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.